Pastor Xavier Reese and the sure foundation of the Word. The Scriptures command each of us to acknowledge the authority of God. Don't let anybody move you to what you have in Scripture. Scripture's your anchor. You go fishing, you drop your anchor. <laughs> you want to stay in the same place. You don't drift. The Word of God is your anchor. It'll cause you not to drift. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What happens when a nation fails to stay true to the Word of God? Worse yet, what happens when God's own people take lightly His very Word? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us back to his study in the book of Titus as he takes a look at what happens when we fail to stay true to the teachings of the Bible. Here he is with today's lesson, False Teachers at Crete. Let's listen. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, defined our century very appropriately. He said, quote, I consider that the chief dangers which will confront the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without regeneration, morality without God, and heaven without hell. What an accurate picture of our modern church today. We've become so politically correct and so heavenly incorrect. <laughs> it's amazing. And remember that people always want to say that they know God and that they walk with God while not being subject to the Word of God. And the way that you and I must understand what it is to be a Christian is, is to know the Word of God. We must align ourselves with God's Word because God's will is revealing God's Word. It's not hidden somewhere. It's nothing that's nebulous. It's something that's very, very clear. Now, for your own personal life, you have to seek Him for His personal direction in your life. But the general will of God is known to every believer. No one is closer to God than anybody else. You have the same Bible. As I've told you often, God hasn't recalled mine to make any corrections. It's still the same. And so we have the very same standard. Notice that at this point... And when you get to verse 10, that the necessary qualification for elders and bishops have been declared already to ensure proper representation and oversight of the church. This was the very reason why Paul had left Titus in the island of Crete. The qualifications are found there in verse 5 down to 9. But the reason why Paul wanted Titus to appoint elders in every city was because there were many false teachers in the island of Crete. Wherever you have truth, you're going to have error. Wherever you're going to have an original, you're going to have those things that are trying to be passed off as originals, counterfeits. As I've told you often, when bank tellers are trained to, to catch the counterfeit, they don't gather all different kind of counterfeits when they study them. They just give them the original. They lock them in a vault and they have them there just handle the real stuff. Look at the real stuff. And when the false one comes by, they pick it up. You don't have to go find out all the lies. All you have to do is stick your nose in the truth. <laughs> Understand it. Study it. Get familiar with it. Now, if you look at verse 9 you will see that it is the last requirement for elders and bishops 
But it also serves as a transitional verse for the following section of false teachers and their doctrine that goes from verse 10 to 16. Listen as I read it. Holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. It's a transitional form. The last requirement here is that they know the word of God. Why? To be able to confront those who contradict the word of God. So in this, he not only gives the requirements, he actually lays it out in verse 5. For this reason I left you at Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Then he goes into the qualifications we saw in 1 Timothy 3. And then he comes back to the false doctrines in verse 9, which is the transitional verse. Then he focuses on them from verse 10 down to 16. You could literally go from verse 5 down to verse 10, or verse 9 literally, and you would miss nothing, or even verse 10. But I'm glad the qualifications are there because they're needed. Because you need to know what type of men do you want to be serving in the church. Because if you have ordinary people that don't have to be born again, that they have no character, then what will happen to the people of God? And how do we defend the standard of the Word of God? It's very, very important. And so what we want to do, having this background, we want to look at verse 10, at the nature of the false teachers at Crete, which is described in three ways by Paul. Let me read verse 10 now. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. That's all we're going to look at. Here's the three ways that Paul describes the nature of these false teachers. First of all, their character in the first portion of verse 10. Second, their practice in the middle. And then lastly, their identity. Their character, their practice, their identity. Notice he begins with character because character is who you really are, okay? Not what people think you are. Character is who you are at heart. And if you're not right with God there, then everything else is meaningless. Very important. Notice he says, for, these are, for there are many insubordinate. First of all, their character is marked by that one word, that one word alone, insubordinate. The word insubordinate, which means one who is not subject to another. One who cannot be subject or controlled by any authority. Interestingly, as you look to our society, we see this characteristic. In fact, it's promoted in our society. You've read billboards that say, break all the rules, just do it. What it's saying is, you're your own authority. You're not bound to authority. These individuals are rebellious and disobedient, unruly. They are undisciplined and out of control. They do not respect God's authority over their lives, let alone the gospel that's being preached by Paul and now Titus there. Because they are an authority in themselves. You've met people, and I've met people, where you meet them and they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, praise God. That's neat, brother. What do you feel? You know, we started talking. All of a sudden, you know, you find out that they're a different type of Christian than what the Bible says. And if you call them on the stand of the word, well, you know, the word of God says this. Says, hey, we're not limited to the word of God. <laughs> and they go beyond the word of God. They don't put themselves under the word of God. The same word was used in the negative regarding the elders' children as one of the requirements in verse 6 of chapter 1. They were not to be insubordinate. 
Because if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, as 1 Timothy 3 says, how is he going to rule the house of God? It's a proving ground. I've told you often, the qualification for a man to be behind the pulpit is not his degrees. It's his home, according to the Bible. Now, sadly, in the church today, we put the emphasis on degrees. And how many people do you have in your church? And have you written books? And have you done this? And while there's nothing wrong in any of that, the focus has been switched to that. And listen, your qualifications are your home. And by the way, that's not for me alone. That's for you. If you expect me to live godly, I, as your pastor, expect you to live godly. You wouldn't come to hear me if you saw me at the bar last night. Why should I preach to you then, if you're there last night? <laughs> the word is found two other times in the New Testament, for a total of four. In Timothy, it describes those who the law was made for. The Judaizers were teaching, oh, yeah, you come to God and you get the law. Was, no, 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 no. He says that's for insubordinate, for lawbreakers. The reason we have speed limits is because we're lawbreakers. The reason it says 70, because they know you'll go 100. The reason the sign says stop is because you don't want to stop. The law accuses us. In fact, in Hebrews, it describes the fact that he, God, left nothing that is not put under man's feet. But now we do not see all things put under his feet because of the fall. In other words, there is rebellion in the creation of God due to Adam's fall. And there are many rebels, but none are rivals to God. Remember that. Many rebels, but no rivals to God. You may be a rebel here on earth. You may be a rebel in the church. You may cause a lot of trouble. You may be a Tasmanian devil. But let me tell you, your history when you get the, before God in heaven for the judgment. No rivals to God. None whatsoever. Notice, secondly, the ways that subordination or insubordination might take place, and we'll just give ourselves some liberty here since we're familiar with man and his heart and, and tendencies that go on in the church at times. Just basic things that they might do to manifest this before the elders or their inability to submit to the authority of the church is they probably would not acknowledge the appointed elders or the bishops that now Paul has placed there, namely Timothy here in their authority. They might say, well, who appointed you? They might say, well, what qualifications do you have? Where'd you go to school? They would not submit to discipline of the church, nor the leader of the church, certainly. They would might say, uh, I'm not accountable to man, I'm accountable to God. Now that's, that's true. But if I am accountable to God, then I'm accountable to the standard of his word. I can't dismiss the word. Or they may just say, well, you know, we're being persecuted because we really are the believers. And I'm being persecuted on speaking out when, in fact, they're deceivers. Notice, thirdly, the number of insubordinate false teachers were many. One word, many. The danger of false teachers is recorded from the beginning of Genesis. And it runs all the way to the book of Revelation. Do you realize that? The first false teacher was Satan as he spoke to Eve. And the number of deceivers have not ceased since then. Has God said? Bring question to the word of God. Doubt. Suspicion to the authority of God. 
The builders of the Tower of Babel, they were false teachers attempting to reach heaven, not to reach God, but to make a way to get to God and began to worship the zodiac in many idolatrous forms. Not wanting to retain God in their own knowledge, they began to worship the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore, keeping things, four-footed beasts, so on and so forth. Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. The entire Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, warns very sternly about false teachers. Even to the point that in Deuteronomy 13 it says that if a false teacher was heard to be in the area, they were to pursue and to inquire diligently and make sure absolutely if it's true or not. And if it was true, they were to kill him, put him to death, Deuteronomy 12, I mean 13. Pretty heavy, isn't it? You see, God didn't tolerate false teaching for his people in the Old Testament because he knew what would happen. The entire history of Israel is one long record of following false teachers to their own destruction. In fact, the warnings that we have in the New Testament are just as stern, with the exception that we're never commanded to kill false teachers, okay? That's not in today. But you might just consider, remember Jesus just before he, um, he was going to go to the cross in Matthew 24, the disciples were talking about the temple and how beautiful it was and everything else. And he said that not one stone would be left upon another. And they began to inquire, when shall these things be? What shall be the signs of your coming to the end of the age? And the first words out of his mouth in Matthew 24 and 5, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am of Christ, and I will deceive, and they will deceive many. The first words out of the mouth of Jesus is, don't let any man deceive you. The implication is that when he left, many deceivers would come. In fact, down in verse 11 it says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Paul the Apostle, remember, he wrote to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says that they weren't to be moved by letter or by spirit as if that day of the Lord had come already. And then he goes down in the chapter and he says, Did, Don't you remember I told you these things? Because they thought that the rapture had happened and the Lord had come for his church. And he says, you guys are crazy. Didn't I tell you that this can't happen unless the Antichrist comes and, and there's that great fall on the way first until he who now led us taken out of the way? In other words, there's a restrainer here on the earth. The restraining on the earth against evil is the church of Jesus Christ. Some people teach that it's the Holy Spirit that will be removed. No. Because when the church is removed, the Holy Spirit is going to be here and many are going to be saved during the Great Tribulation. But the Holy Spirit works through us. We are the restrainer to evil in the world. We say abortion is wrong. We say passing out of condoms is wrong. Now, we can't stop the evil in the world. But we are here to restrain it, to check it. Once the church is removed, then you have all darkness. Then you have the Antichrist coming in. And so the warning is ongoing. Somebody had come into the church and said, listen, the, time, the day of the Lord has already come, and they're all freaking out. And so Paul warns them, don't let anybody move you to what you have in Scripture. Scripture's your anchor. And you guys fishermen, you go fishing, you drop your anchor. <laughs> 
If you want to stay in the same place. You don't drift. The Word of God is your anchor. It'll cause you not to drift. There are many deceivers. A little boy was lost during the Christmas shopping rush, and he was standing in the aisles of the busy department store crying, I want my mommy. People kept passing by, giving the child nickels and dimes. Finally, a floor walker came over him and said, I know where your mommy is, son. The little boy looked up with tears screaming down his eyes and said, So do I. Just keep quiet. <laughs> what a picture of those who are confronted by godly men to help them see their error only to find that the only thing they want is not your help but for you to be silent about their lies. The scriptures command each of us to acknowledge the authority of God as well as those who are called in place of leadership in the church. There are several scriptures, but one that comes to mind is 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Listen to it. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. The reason is that they are laboring among the people of God, not above them. Paul is calling attention to that. The leaders are men like anybody else. They're not more super spiritual than the average Christian. They're not above. They've just been called and they've been endowed by the gift of God, but not because they're better than anybody else. The other reason is that they are over those in the Lord to instruct and to warn them. They have the care of the flock. God will hold them responsible. They are the watchmen as Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I've made you the watchman. If you warn and they don't turn, you're all right with me. But if you don't warn and they end up destroying, then I'll hold you responsible. Whoa. You say, oh, thank God that's Old Testament. Really? Paul the Apostle told the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, I'm innocent of the blood of any man. Where did he get that? You better go to Ezekiel. <laughs> Still applicable today. God help the shepherd that do not warn. God help the shepherd doesn't instruct God help the shepherd doesn't oversee the flock of God. The responsibility of the elder is to exhort, warn, and protect the sheep with patience. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, the next verse. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. There's all kinds of different people in the church. The ministry is an education <laughs> in many different ways. As you see the diverse problems as you see the so many needs through the years as you think that you've seen the most outrageous thing by people one comes along that beats it it's amazing the false teachers of today are many and they don't submit themselves to accountability of the scriptures to the orthodox doctrine the character of the false teachers was marked by insubordination. And see, once that exists, then they can do what they want. They're the law unto themselves. Notice, secondly, their practice. From who you are comes what you do. <laughs> 
both idle talkers and deceivers. Notice first the false teachers were idle talkers. And the word idle talkers means vain, empty, profitless, and futile. The word appears only this time in this form. And there are varied forms that are found in Romans 1.21 and 1 Timothy 1.6. The word was used by the Jews for the mocking of heathen idols and worship. The word identifies one who utters worthless and senseless things, empty-headed babblers. That's a good phrase. <laughs> You've met people like that, and not necessarily false teachers, but people that just talk, 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 and then you get things and say, what the heck did he say? <laughs> There's no content in it. The adult talker usually neither understands what he says or the things he affirms. Paul has told us that in 1 Timothy 1.7. That was the Judaizers. They, they had appointed themselves as rabbis of the law, teachers of the law, but they weren't qualified. The problem begins with the heart. Nowhere else. It's deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Only God knows it, Jeremiah 17, 9. The minute you think that you've got a good heart, you're in trouble. It is bad news. I hope you never get to look at the whole of it. <laughs> But it's deceitful, desperately wicked. The process is cultivating the futility of our thoughts, which grow darker and darker with time. And if they're not checked, they lead to our own destruction. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk in the, as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. How'd they get there? One step at a time. Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 4, and 5. Such a person is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. First clue. If people in the pulpit put a greater emphasis on money than the word, get up and walk out. Money should never be the issue. When money becomes the focus, you know they're headed the wrong way. Because where God guides, he provides. You give an opportunity for people to exercise their love for God as quickly and as simple as possible, and you get into the meat and let God do the work. Real simple. The process is progressive in a downward cycle. In fact, Paul tells the Romans in chapter 1 that it goes from their vain imaginations to unclean uh, thoughts, vile passions, and debased or reprobate minds. Reproach minds. Romans 1, 24, 26, and 28. So God is very patient. God never cuts anybody short. Now, I may cut you short. You may be insensitive to others, but no one will ever be able to go before God and says, you know, God, you weren't patient with me. You cut me off, man. You shine me. Never. Let me tell you, when people stand before God, they will know that they will know that they're busted. Listen, 
If you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you're a loser. But you don't have to be. You can be a winner by recognizing that He died in your place and that He loves you. That He wants to change your life. Pastor Xavier Reese and the path to true and lasting victory. Now, there's still much more to come next time, but if you won't be able to join us, however, you can always pick up a copy of this message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is False Teachers at Crete, and this is a great way to share this ministry with your friends and loved ones. And once again, the title to ask for is False Teachers at Crete, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Is knowing the Bible really that important? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 